HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, what's up? This is John Norris, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes it feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni, this is... June 12th, 2012, and uh, we're here celebrating with the, the guys from Ale Street News, an influential beard uh, magazine, and uh, Sam Barbieri from Waterfront Ale House in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Uh, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio. Uh, we're sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. It's your online connection to the world of craft, craft beer. Find out about the Beer Cloud, a mobile app to help you locate your favorite beers, store tasting notes, and more. GreatBrewers.com brings the American beer community together. We're also supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal, an association of 40-plus New York City beer bars that serve, promote, and support Good Beer Seal. Check out GoodBeerSeal.com to find out about the new uh, Good Beer Seal bars and some special events for July uh, going on in New York City. All right, so in studio we have Tony Forder and Jack Babin from Ale Street News and uh, Sam Barbieri. How are you guys? Welcome to the Good. show. Good. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, hey, good to be back. Beautiful. All right. Jimmy, good seeing you. So uh, we're, we're going to get cut to the chase. Um, in the world of craft beer, Ale Street News has been very influential for over 20 years. Uh, not only have you grown as the, the craft beer industry has grown, uh, you've also had quite a few uh, really great uh, writers uh, in your stable over, the, over those years. Uh, so how did you guys get started? Well, uh, we got started by, which is very similar to a lot of the craft brewers are out there, by making beer together, you know, home brewers. And I had just moved from California, so I was a little bit familiar with um, craft brewing that started out there. Um, didn't really know much about what was going on here. Uh, we started home brewing together. I think home brewing was only legalized um, about 1990, which is when I moved here. Uh, I was waiting for that, of course. Uh, and then we ran into a couple of guys. We started a homebrew club together, the North Jersey Warthogs. And then I'm in journalism, Jackson Marketing. Um, I actually wrote a story for a California paper about craft beer, about what was going on in the New York area. And that kind of educated me that there were, you know, what was going on. And then Jack and his wife kind of came up with the idea. 
Well, Jimmy, if I could just jump in, uh, just to preface all of what Tony just said, uh, a graduation present when I graduated college is I sent myself out to visit my brother-in-law and sister out in Northern California. And when I got there, I was blown away. I mean, this is in the early 80s. I was blown away that all his friends were making their own beer. I'm like, what the hell is this? You can do that? And all his friends were trading beers back and forth. Again, this is in the early 80s. And it just, it just blew me away. And Tony sent me back with a care package. Blew you away is a pretty good description because I think you had a blow up in your uh, closet after you made your first batch. I made my first batch, and uh, I figured, you know, I'm going to go straight to the chase, like you said early, the opening of this show, and I'm just going to brew the stuff, and, and I'm just going to put it in uh, bottles. Well, you know, I didn't have uh, heavy beer bottles or anything, so I raced to a local supermarket. I bought a whole bunch of uh, apple juice bottles. Uh, I dumped out the apple juice. I made the beer, fermented it, filled the bottles, capped it. And about seven days later, um, I remember there was this explosion. It sounded like glass was crashing all over the place. And then another one and another one. And my dog was like freaking out. And, and I clicked the lights on. And all the beer bottles were blowing across my bedroom. And I was storing it at about, you know, 78 degrees. Uh, but, you know, all good memories of... Uh, you know, people making their own beer, that you can make your own beer. I think it's all part of the learning process. And I'm excited to this day about people uh, making their own beer, enjoying beer, learning about beer. I absolutely owe that to Tony. And uh, and then it has just gone, um, uh, you know, in the early days. So you guys, you, you went to visit Tony in California. Yeah. You, you tried making some beers. and How did you start a, a influential beer magazine? Well, as I said, uh, my background was journalism, Jackson Marketing, and we realized there was a need for education of the beer that was coming into the shell, you know, on the shelves in the stores, and people really didn't know a lot about it. Um, so, you know, we saw an opportunity. We didn't know, to begin with, it would be our, you know, how... Obviously, nobody did back then how, how it would grow. We both had jobs, you know. So, uh, but uh, we we. After well, what was what was your first the first issue? What stories did well, you cover? The first issue was uh, it was twenty four pages, twenty thousand circulation. Well, let's proceed with the promo. Oh yeah, we made, did. Tony. We we put a four page promo together first. I, I think I think Jimmy just to jump in. I think we 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 realized that there was a paper on the West Coast. It was called Celebrator. It was a great paper then. It's a great paper now. Um, but we, if we modeled ourselves after anything, uh, we felt that there was a lot of coverage on the West Coast. And the East Coast, which was burgeoning and growing, was absolutely void of information. And we just felt that we could be, Tony's always been a reporter, I've always been in sales and marketing. We just felt that there was a need for communication. I understand this is before the day of the Internet and all the social media. Sure. So what was the first, just the regular issue? Tell me some of the stories from your first issue? Uh, Charlie Papazian was on the cover. Charlie Papazian, he runs the Brewers Association Charlie. now. Back then, he was uh, running the America's Homebrewers Association. So he's risen with, you know, the cream, I mean, with the ocean, whatever. I mean, he's still, like, the most influential guy, probably, in, uh, in beer. Um, he was at an opening of Zip City. I don't know if you remember that. It was a brew pub on 18th Street uh, back in 92. And um, that's what we covered. Um, in the cover, we had some other stories about um, 
we always had a big homebrewing section when we got started, and um, there was a bit of an explosion of uh, homebrewing stores. In fact, our partners in the homebrew club that I mentioned, uh, they opened a homebrewing store in New Jersey, and we started the paper, and we left the club to to some other people. We had uh, we had met with the guys at Brooklyn Brewery who were distributing their own beer at that time, as well as a whole stable of others. Um, I mean, when we saw the paper, there was less than 200 breweries, microbreweries, and brew pubs in the country. Now it's over 2,000. Um, how, many, how many bars were serving good beer in the New York area back then? A half a dozen. <laughs> Very few. Very few. But, the, yep. Yep, Sam over here. So there was a place House. called the Waterfront yeah. Ale House, one of the early birds, you know, that we respected very much. Um, Sam, what did you think when, when when did you first meet Jack or Tony, and when you first heard about L Street News? Because this is like it's the rise of you know craft beer movement. Their magazine, you know, paralleled and worked with it. You know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I probably get uh, Tony and Jack through Steve Hindy. Yeah, uh, uh, who, who put us together, uh, or Salpanaccio, mm-hmm. also was into home brewing. Mm-hmm. The reason that we had gotten into the whole uh, craft beer scene early, uh, I guess 88, we had first spoke about it with my partner. He was from Seattle. He saw it was a big thing out there. Nobody in New York was doing it. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is, this is the way to go. And he was hooked up with a couple home brewers. And that's how the whole thing started. I think this whole beer movement started because of homebrewers. There totally. was just yeah. so many, you know, cookie cutter commercial beers that all tasted the same. These guys are making great beers, and people really realized, wow, this is this is tremendous. This is really good. This, right? You know, and, and it was just a just a you know domino theory. Kept going so, and going yeah, and going. I mean, as, uh, these guys started talking to each other. Oh, we got to really get good beers going. My partner and I uh, were just going to open a little burger joint, mm-hmm. uh, having a half a dozen, you know, okay beers. Um, and then I started to talk to all these home brewers. They started to come in because we had beer that nobody else had, or I had gone. And, and fished out like Anchor Brewing, um, right. a couple other West Coast beers, Sierra. Just mm-hmm. Sierra. And, and Sierra was like, well, you know, we really don't distribute in New York yet. I said, listen, whatever you bring in, I'm going to buy. I, com- I, I will commit to whatever you put on that truck. I'm going to take it all. And the same thing <laughs> with Anchor was here. But Anchor really didn't have a big presence mm-hmm. at the time. And it just it just grew and grew and grew. And the the people wanted to write about it. It was hot to write about it that time, too. It was, yeah. Well, Everybody I, wanted to know about it. And right. the biggest thing that we did was education of the customers. And, yeah. And, and that's, that's where that's nobody that's really knew a lot about it. it was, and when I mentioned, you know, half a dozen good beer bars to drink beer, a, a lot of that was, you know, a bar wanted to be cutting edge and good. It was mostly imports, British, German. Yeah, you know, but at least it was a good selection. There was very few, you know, that were really on top of the craft beer like Sam was. I had four German beers and and four British beers, and maybe three American beers. Sam, you, you brought Brooklyn being what's one this? Of the, you brought a Pilsner. What is yes, it? it's an Imperial Pilsner. This is uh, I have someone in uh, Northern New Jersey brewing this beer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we <laughs> collaborated on a recipe. 
Uh, it's what, coming what? from the High Point Brewery. Oh, from High Point. Yeah. Wow. Rams. Greg Zaccardi. Greg Zaccardi. Good Incredible guy. brewer. Yeah. Uh, Greg Zaccardi, as as a few of the other uh, brewmasters that are in New York right now, or, or the New York metropolitan area, started off home brewing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I actually met him when he was president of the New York Homebrewers Guild, and they had a competition at Zip City that we mentioned before before it opened. So yeah, Greg's been been around you know as long mm-hmm. as we have, if you know, if not longer. All right, so let's go. Yeah. Let's go back. So in the first issues, the first couple, of, who were some of the writers that we may know today that were writing for you back then? Well, it was a guy called uh, Willie Lube who had a pen name actually because he worked for a magazine. And if I can remember, it was um, pen name was pen name was more normal than his real name, which is Willie Lou, which is you know, a little strange. But uh, we had a stable. We had a guy Peter Terhune up in Boston, and um, we always had a pretty strong New England section. And actually, that's kind of where we got started, right, Jack? Uh, Absolutely, at the first Boston Brewers Festival. Uh, in a nutshell, Tony and I put the first issue together based on just uh, a goal. And we felt that there was a need for a terminus of communication. We put the first issue together, which was four pages uh, of Ale Street News, in his attic. And uh, we used a pot. We welted, uh, melted wax. Uh, we stuck the, the articles together. And we had four pages of a promo issue. We went to the first Boston Brewers Fest. And, and, and we put together our cards, our packet, our mission statement. And we asked people, do you think this will help you? I think reach they had about 20-something brewers, 20 brewers. Right. Maybe there. Do yeah. you think this will help you reach your market? Okay. Um, do you think you know, this is needed in the industry? And the third question was, is, are you willing to write a check to support us to help you reach this market? And I think there was more like 30 people, but of, uh, of the 30 breweries, uh, 25 of them said yes. So we came home in business and um, and that was the start. That was the founding of Ale Street News. It was passion, just like Sam is saying. The home brewers are are, are uh, some of the most passionate people you will meet. And and uh, and uh, we uh, uh, you know we felt the same way. Um, there there is a common thread in this industry. One is quality, and quality is the focus. And what happens after quality? Um, is you know I, I mean there's 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 uh, 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 bar owners uh, brew pubs brewers uh, quality has to be the focus but passion is is maybe the first ingredient and 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 it's all about the beer um, it involves Ale Street News and our writing to this day we are passionate about this we don't brew it one of the benefits of brewing a beer newspaper is we love UPS and FedEx because beer just shows up at the door all the time. <laughs> Great new products. They they want us to write about what, it. What was that beer we had before Sam's? That was a beer I just returned uh, yesterday, actually, from the Mondial de la Beer uh, Festival up in Montreal, um, which is truly a a, a, a global festival, uh, reflecting its name. So they have brewers there, really, from around the world, and they focused on, had a special uh, feature on South America. They had some Brazilian brewers, some Argentinian brewers. So we had a Pilsner and a and a wit beer that's made pretty far up the Amazon, actually, that I brought back. So Sweet. All right, hey, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to loosen up with some of these beers. Sam's Pil- Imperial Pilsner. And we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. We'll all come back now. <laughs> <laughs> you feel good? All right. so much bone, brother. How you feel, man? I'll call your name. I don't want no people to know you're in here. How you feel, fellas? We're gonna have a 
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. You know that Heritage Radio Network is now a 501c3. You can uh, donate and support. Uh, it's, it's just like public radio now. So go to heritageradionetwork.org and uh, become a member. All right. So here we are. It's the 20th anniversary of Ale Street News, an influential beer magazine uh, that has is still with us. And... Uh, I read it every month, and I, and I love it. Um, Tony Forder, the editor, is here, and Jack Babin, the, the publisher, along with Sam Barbieri from Waterfront Alehouse. So uh, 20 years ago, you guys started Ale Street News. Uh, tell me some more stories, because I know you got a lot of good stories. Oh, yeah. it's uh, Well, when we first um, – it's funny. You asked some brewers today, what were you doing 20 years ago? And they're like, I was in diapers. You know, like, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of water under the bridge. But um, after we came up with a concept and like, all right, we're going to try this. You know, and then I, I heard about Homebrewers Convention in New Hampshire. We told our wives, road trip, we got to go. So we showed up on the last day, and, um, you know, there's like, I don't know, 300 homebrewers there, 200, 300. Same guy, Charlie Papazian, we talked about, you know, he's running the show. And I just felt like I found my tribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 20 years ago, it was the, the action was, was the homebrewers. People were just starting to play around. And uh, are there any home brewers that, that you met who ended up becoming a brewers or owning there's, breweries? There's more. Uh, there's well, less. A few names. Well, there's less brewers that um, were not home brewers. That um, it's very it's rare to actually got a professional brewer who was not a home brewer before. Uh, well, in this area is like Greg Zaccardi. Um, you have a guy like Neil Asa. He's up at. Um, um, what's it called? Uh, Defiant in uh, Pearl River. Neil, yeah, Defiant. Yeah, he, he's he's brewed around a lot. He was a bit later. Uh, there's a guy we know in Jersey now, um, Lon Leteria, who used to run a. He, he works for a distributor now. He um, he used to run a brew pub in Suffern, New York, in back in the early days. I think uh, we actually did our first. Um, it was our third issue, Christmas issue, and we shot it. We had knew this big guy who dressed up Santa Claus in the brew house. What was the name of the the brew pub? It was Mountain Valley, Mountain Valley Group, yeah. and it was Richie yeah. Stolars. Yeah. Uh, he's a dear friend of ours, and he was he was uh, a very very big uh, uh, component of the start of of Ale Street News. Um, uh, he passed away, in fact, on one of our joint trips uh, to the Great American Beer Festival. So then, right. from after you start after you started the magazine, you guys went on to do things like uh, you lead tours to tours yeah we started working with a a tour operator actually this guy uh, Greg Dennis Short Hills Tours had worked uh, with um, this guy Richie Stolars who was a pioneer in selling he worked uh, he was one of the first to sell the merchant divan imports you know products which I think we have one here maybe we'll taste that yeah so what what were some of the first tours that you did uh, through Ale Street first ever tour we did I think was 94 and we went to London and we worked with a tour operator we didn't really know who he was, but he set it up. He didn't actually come so with us. So in London, what, so what did you do? Did you go Great to pubs? British. Did you go to breweries? Yeah, we did. Great we went British. to Young's. We usually try and do a... Great our, British beer. Tell me, so you, went, you went to Young's Brewery. Which tell you, me where you went. We went to Young's um, when they had their brewery back then. Um, now they merged with somebody else. We went to the Great British Beer Festival. Uh, we try and tie in our events. We had a, a walking tour of London pubs by Roger Protz. Fuller's. We went to Fuller's. Okay. To the Fuller's pub. Uh, right. Michael, we got Michael Jackson to uh, give us a beer dinner. Um, he, he, he showed up and spoke for us at uh, a beer dinner. That's Michael Jackson, not the gloved wonder. You know? Right. The, the, the late uh, beer writer right, Michael Jackson. Yeah. And uh, we went to, uh, we took a little side trip, went down to Harvey's in Sussex, which is my old stomping ground. I'm from Sussex, England, about Great an hour place. out of London. Um, 
And we did we did some tourist uh, stuff like we went to Bath and Stonehenge. <laughs> and so back then, the, the, was the pub culture still authentic? Did the breweries they they were worth visiting, or, or, or were they becoming modernized? Or give me, no, give it was me very it was a very authentic. It was worth uh, the British trip. trip. It definitely was. Oh, absolutely. And then our main focus now is Belgium because, like everybody else, like the brewers, you know, we start with. Uh, British German styles, and and then and then we discover Belgian beers. You kind of walk through this door, and it's a whole different world of be- Belgian beers, um, which has happened in brewing too. Belgian styles have gotten really popular over here, so we run an annual trip now to Belgium in the spring. I think, yeah, I think the the Belgian beers uh, when we started early on, um, and and to this day, I mean, the Belgian beers, the complexity, the taste, the aging. Um, you know, they're, they're aging beers for three years in bottles, and, and the American market just is not that patient. They can't be. Uh, they, they, you know, they got P&L statements. It's, it's also a business. It's a passion, but it's a business. But um, the beers that are brewed in Belgium, I, I call it the Smithsonian of uh, beers. However, uh, the production in the United States has just exploded in quality in 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 styles uh i went to the first great american beer fest in 1992 with my wife Lori, and uh and we uh, stood right next to charlie papazian and and uh the american brewers association and all that um there were 37 categories of beer um this year if you go there's close to 87 90 categories of beer um, most people just just can't imagine. Uh, you know, we're in the beer business, and, and 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 we're amazed at the explosion of quality and and category, and and these are world class beers. So I think if Michael Jackson was alive today, he would say that the American beer market has really taken the torch, and uh, it's not only uh, large, it's prolific, it's diverse, it's first class, it's quality. And it's exciting. Yeah, I just came back from the, the craft brewers conference in the early in early May. Uh, the business of the business. It's the brewers. It's the business under one roof for three days, and um, it's explosive. Uh, Tony's writing about it in this issue. Uh, like he said, when we started in 1992, maybe there was 150 breweries. What are we up to now, Tony? We just uh, hit 2012 operating breweries and brew pubs in the U.S. Um, in the year 2012. But the amazing stat is there's another 1,000 in planning. In the planning stage. 1,000 in the next 12 to 18 months. So that will give you an idea of the acceptance of this craft beer. And uh, I think we're at the 9 10% mark right now. Mm-hmm. But Steve Hindi, who is the founder of uh, Brooklyn Brewery, uh, who was the keynote speaker, um, it, and, and who is a very, very smart individual. He's proven himself certainly in beer and in life. Uh, predicts, and I don't think anybody disputes it, that the uh, uh, craft brewing market in the next 10 years will represent 30% of the beer drinking public. We're at 10% now. Look what's happening. Mm-hmm. What's to come? It, it's, yeah. it's an exciting time to be in the craft brewing market. Yeah. And it it's really not is. just um, what's, you know, the numbers of people, but it's the type of beers. Like Sam, for example, like what you're pouring at your bar now versus back then. I mean, what, what would you say the consumers are into these days? Uh, we, our consumers love IPAs and pale ales, uh, as I do myself. Uh, but we always have to have a very, very diverse group of beers. I mean, we have to have some really 
funky Belgian stuff that that's very f- either fruity or hoppy or ar- very very aromatic. We have to have very dark beers, like malty. Um, what do you have on draft right now? Chewy. Sam, I like, like this, this uh, celebrator that we're. That <laughs> we we're get it. We, we do it a lot seasonally. Also, we'll, we'll do a lot of saisons uh, during the spring. We'll get into some of the summer ales, which will add fresh fruit or uh, mint, Sam, what, rosemary on, on during draft, the right, summer. What do you guys have on draft right now? You uh, want me to spew out all 25? Yeah, come on. Come on. Or at least a few. <laughs> come on, Sam. We change them every week. <laughs> every week we have different beers. Uh, I do like to keep a lot of local beers on draft, and I've been doing it a lot more recently because there are so many small little craft breweries that are open in the uh, New York metro area. Uh, so we like to feature them. We want people to know that they're out there. These guys are, as said Five before, beers, they're yeah. very, very passionate. Uh, Blue Point, Green Port, um, uh, Six Point, Brooklyn, uh, Kelso. That's so fine. Okay. So, Jimmy, what? Jimmy, what? what, what that's fine. That's you good. Should, you should know, Jimmy. I mean, uh, your bar. I mean, what do you have that Sam doesn't have? This is, a lot of bar owners, I think, they, they jockey for position. They, they try and get stuff that's rare and, you know, sweet talk to distributor. And, you know, it's always, right? Well, right. We, you know, we, we, we go broad and we go high. So we have, some, same as Sam, we have some New York area breweries because we're in New York. So, Carton, I've had a lot of Carton. Uh, we were big fans of Barrier Brewing on Long Island. And they closed uh, to to expand. They moved down the street, and they're coming back. They promised me next week they're delivering. Oh, great! Um, and then on the other end, we always have like certain taps, and I'm sure Sam does too. Mm-hmm. We've got something from Belgium. We've got something unique, like we had uh, last week, La Rules Grande. We try to have beers that you don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go, you know, high and low. Last night we had a party for the Good Beer Seal. We had a, a Gravity Cask of Mars Ungespunden. Um, what else do we have on? We're bringing in a, a specialty deconic, a special triple that they only have 30 kegs in the country. So you try to go, you know, some local beers and then some real specialty. Mm-hmm. And that shows you the market, too. And that's what I'm sure. trying to say is that, you know, on one hand, we're giving 6 and $7 pints, uh, you know, for, for local beers. And then we're also doing, you know, $10 goblets mm-hmm. of something. And one thing about beer is that, you know, the range of beer, the pricing is, isn't that, that high, you know. Even I go into a, a, a decent restaurant and I might get a 12 or 14 dollar glass of wine in in New York but you know beers are still from you know six ten dollars is a lot for a, a really nice beer and so there's still great value too so I feel like there's definitely room uh, you know for this industry to grow I'm you know? interested in, in in you know two pub owners here I mean did you feel that threshold is moving up I mean my, my opinion it oh, is absolutely you know? yes that yeah. acceptable threshold there's definitely more beers in the market there's there's more beers coming into the New York market. It's funny because I always see like New York being like the last market that people want to uh, come into. You <laughs> never, uh, nobody comes into New York as a test market. <laughs> you have to come into it's New York. Real deal. You have to come into New York, you know, proven. <laughs> uh, but uh, there is plenty of beers out there and we can't all serve the same beer because then we're going to just, you know, uh, we're going to cannibalize each other. But well, we also one can't week, either. There's so many no, beers. One week I could have ten different beers than what Jimmy has, mm-hmm. and uh, I get calls from different breweries. Okay, we're only going to have X amount of of kegs come into New York. You have to commit early. Okay, 
All right, give me three of them. Well, I can only give you one of them because this guy wants one, this guy wants one, this guy wants one. Okay, that's great. So we should all share in that wealth. No problem. But, you know, like there's a couple of West Coast breweries that are beyond their capacity right now. They said, we can't get enough beer to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. We have to take care of our backyard, and they should. As the New York brewers... In, in, that are in our backyard should take care of us first before they start shipping the stuff sure. to Florida or, or California, wherever. Right. But there are so many different beers out there now that you could go into 15 different bars, each with 15 taps, and still see a different beer 15 in each 15 different place. beers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just... Sure. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, no. That's I, I, it. I, I, so hold on a sec. We're going to take another short break. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Let's just pick it up a little bit If you say stuff, try to say like Hey guys, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network Out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn We got Jack and Tony in there they got a secret project going on. It's called Carton Taking Over the World. <laughs> uh, they've got this paper carton that they say is as good as a growler. And we're going to do an event in mid-July at Jamie's number 43, the Carton versus Growler Olympics. And we're going to see just how good it is. So you guys, have, you guys have come a long way from just starting a magazine. Now you're getting into commerce. So tell us about this carton. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, L Street News has been, as we said, passionate and just totally dedicated to educating uh, people about craft brewed beer. And uh, for 20 years, what we have done is, um, you know, promote beer. And I think we've done a pretty good job. It's also been equally important for us not to compete, not to conflict with any of the advertisers that are responsible for putting L Street News out there. So we've been very, very um, uh, aware that we so need what, what is something this that's non, non-conflicting. i got a carton. So it looks like a milk carton. What we have is we have a company that came to us from the U.K., and they have been using this carton, this device, in the U.K. for 20 years. And uh, we had a lot of conversation. And uh, what we're doing is uh, the Crafty Carton is a paper container, biodegradable, 
uh, it's actually in addition to your growler uh, investment. But um, the issues are is that with a growler, a, a growler, you have to as a as a customer, you have to remember the growler. You have to buy it first of all. It might be eight or ten dollars in a, in a typical place. You have to remember to bring it with you. So you know, it takes a, a lot of discipline. Here we are in New York City. And you can't just walk into a bar in New York City with a, gla- a glass growler and, uh, you know, walk around all night in New York City with a growler. They wouldn't let you in. So in short, what we have is we have an alternative to the grass, uh, glass growler. It's called the Crafty Carton, and you can learn more about it at craftycarton.com. But what it is, it's a spontaneous vessel to bring beer home. For the pub owner, for Sam, and for you, Jimmy, it allows you to sell beer that is very often your special beers are not canned, they're not bottled. Um, they're only available in a growler or in a pint glass. So, do you do uh, growler fills at Waterfront Air House, Sam? Uh, we're starting to, and this is uh, if you... Unfortunately, we don't have a television here, but <laughs> these are one-liter bottles. What I, what I've uh, so you brought done, the, the imperial pills you brought in, in a yeah glass, right? instead of doing the the big traditional uh, half gallon growlers I purchased these one liter bottles which is actually two pints basically uh, easier to store in most refrigerators because I took the bottle and I stuck it in a few I went to PC Richards and stuck them in a few different refrigerators so they all could stand up. Uh, it's, it's a nice on size. A shelf. It's a little bit easier. It's it's too. It's basically you know. But what about I mean, two big you, pints of beer? How many people come to, to your bar to get a growler fill? Like we're in you know in New York City, they could sit there and drink all the pints they want you and walk home. I I don't encourage it. I know there's a lot of places that say, oh, you know, let's sell growlers, let's sell growlers. I'd rather have people there, drinking beer, socializing, talking about the beer. My bartenders could talk to them about the beer that they're drinking. People could talk to each other about. Uh, so I, I've had this beer. Yeah, it's a little different. We're, we're from the Burbs, you know, and uh, some may have to drive home, and you particularly like a particular beer. It's like, wow, I wish I could have another pint of that, but it might not be on next time I come. And this is the crazy. So you're saying if 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 because I've never had growlers because I don't want to invest in them, mm-hmm. and I also don't really it's have to worry expense. about driving. But if, if I wasn't in the city. Uh, you're right. I would probably people would want to say, you know, I have one beer and I want to take some to go. Is that that's what you're thinking? We're right? seeing like uh, our last issue. The feature, the cover was the, the popularity of draft craft beer. The take-home market is really seeing a big lift. Uh, they have the you know growler filling stores are opening up in New York. So the trend of that's why we think this is a good product. The timing is right. Um, the trend for fresh brewed craft beer, or if you go to your local brewery, you take beer home from there. So it's just um, it's something that's really we're also very about. much, very much um, against drinking and driving. And our logic is is that you've got this great beer. Now the big thing, I mean, help me here, guys, is these tap takeovers. So you've got these labels that come in and it's tap takeover at Waterfront Alehouse on Thursday night. That's a great concept. A lot of those beers are not available. They're available just tonight. But more importantly, we're against drinking and driving. So let's go to the suburbs. If you have a beer, that's great. But we're all about, rather than having your beer before you drive, we would rather you have your beer after you drive, safely, at home, at your friend's house, at a barbecue, at the tailgate, whatever. So it's a new option. It's spontaneous. 
It's inexpensive. It frees up the pub owner, the bar owner, from that massive investment in growlers. And again, we're not against growlers. This is not the stamp out growler campaign. It's in addition to. But for the customer, there's there, there there's no forethought. I want to take that beer home. I want to go to um, the party, the barbecue. We also have a four-pack carrier. So these are these are 32-ounce uh, containers that they can put right up to the tap. The, par- the pub owner, uh, the bartender can put it right up to the tap, fill it to the 32-ounce uh, So what's mark. it called? It's a crafty it's carton. It's called a crafty com. carton. It's a so you craft- can check that out. And, uh, craftycarton.com. Go to Ailes. What's your Ailes Street News website? Our, our uh, website is alestreetnews.com. And right. you can find So that, there's something to think about. We'll, we'll give it a shot. I think we'll do in mid-July. We'll do a, a carton versus growler. We're looking forward to it. We'll see how it, Sam, do you think this would hold up in your place, the carton? Uh, I think so. You might give it a shot. Yeah. Give it a shot. All right. This is, this is great for somebody that's going to say, okay, we've had enough tonight. I really shouldn't drink anything. Let's take just take home. a little bit more home. Right. Uh, All right. Exactly. We'll go home, enjoy ourselves this evening, and, and wake up in the morning and have a beautiful little beer with our eggs. All right. And let's go back to fancy beers because t- Tony's got something. What What did you bring us? This is a really awesome beer. This might be my beer of the week. This is a special release from uh, Schneider Brewing, Schneider Weiss in uh, Germany. And, um, you know, very traditional wheat beer brewery, they make an ice bock, which is um, the very strong, you know, Might have lager. <laughs> they actually, um, I won't go into the explanation of ice bock, but it's actually frozen and they take the water off and it gets to very strong. Does Sam get some um, of this? What I actually want to hear, I want to hear Sam, yes. t- what, he, what he feels about this beer. Sam is an awesome oh, taste. Wow. I want to say that uh, last night we had a... A, a, a fairly rare Mars, you know, German-style gravity keg. It's like a little mini pin that you turn up mm. on its side. If you haven't had it, you, you, it's 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 great. It's the true Oktoberfest. There, w- there's parts of Germany where they only serve these casts, where they they, they fill sure, them, they bring them from the uh, cellar, and they pour it out. So there's no gas, no the old-fashioned gravity keg. Uh, well, I'm a little bit older than some people, but uh, I remember when I was a kid, when you got to uh, get a German beer, that's the only way you had it. You had a gravity kit. You had a, a little um, a little connector on the bottom, a little connector on the top, and you just opened a, a little valve and so let it flow last through. Last night at the Good Beer uh, Seal Party. There was no such thing as like CO2 going into a German beer. We had a, we had a gravity cast of the Mars and Gespundent, and uh, it comes out beautiful. It has its own natural you know, head. Uh, just from the the poor, mm-hmm. and Sam gave a critique. I loved it because it's like, what did you say? It was a little too minerally, right? A little, it had a little bit of minerality. You might have uh, sat around. So Sam, Sam, said, Sam probably has one have. of the best palates in New York. And the more I drink beer with him, the more I want to know. So Sam, this beer from Schneider, what's it called? Tony? It's, it's called the uh, Mein Eisbock Barrique, and it's what they did was, um, you know, for a German brewery to uh, age Eisbock in uh, for 15 months in Pinot Noir barrels is is quite a new. Uh, concept. Uh, they did it. This was the co-winner of the Platinum Award at the Mondial de la Beer. Okay, so this is like almost like syrup. What do you think about this? Sam? This is tremendous, and this is coming out of. A, this is probably the same yeast that they're using in their uh, vice. Yeah, they make so the to, ice to come out with a beer like this with a a, a, a vice yeast in there is tremendous. Yeah, also for this a is traditional German so brewery. Rich. And so malty. Uh, and it's, it's not too syrupy for you, Sam? No. No, because this is something I'm going to sip on. And yeah, it this picks is up the uh, Venice notes, right? Of course. This yeah. is something that I would put in a little snifter and mm-hmm. just uh, enjoy at the end of a meal. Well, they made 700 bottles of this, and it was one barrel, wow. and this we're drinking one of them. So. 
So you, over the years, Ale Street News has grown instead of in, from magazines to, to tours, and, and you're also a big part of events like Mondial. Um, what's the other festival? There's a festival in Strasbourg, right? Uh, yeah, actually, the Mondial has uh, satellite festivals. Um, they're actually in transition right now from the Strasbourg Festival, but I've been involved with that. We kind of work together with these guys a lot up at Mondial. Uh, I organize the American Pavilion over in Strasbourg. They're actually moving site this year, so taking a year off from that one. They're looking at doing a festival in Brazil as well. Oh, wow. Cool. So The rise of beer in South America. Yeah. Yep. All right. It's um, everywhere. It's global. <laughs> tell you what. This is, this is, there's a lot more to say here. I would say go to Ale Street News and, and alestreetnews.com. Alestreetnews.com. And uh, Tony, do you want to read something? I know you've got something about your 20th anniversary. Yeah. You I just, have a lot to um, you know, about, this is a little bit about how we got started and, and where we are uh, that I put in my editorial. Uh, when my partner Jack and I launched Ale Street News 20 years ago, craft beer was but a trickle. It wasn't even called craft back then, but nonetheless, guided by who knows what, we launched our raft of a bruise paper on a narrow stream high in the headwaters of microbrew beer. The journey has been slow, yet swift. We've ran many a rapid, at times hanging on for dear life. We've seen high water and we've seen low. And the stream has grown into a river, an ever-widening river of craft beer. Now it seems we've entered an estuary, and the feeling is like our raft is about to merge into the ocean. How many brewers feel as if their journey is changing? How, how will they fare? Sure, some are nervous about the numbers. Is there room for everyone? Will demand keep up with supply? Paul Gatza, as a vice, he was a speaker there, for newcomers was, if, the quality, if quality isn't your number one concern, get out now. All right. Well, hey. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Okay. I'll give a shout-out to a Good Brazil Bar event. So, first of all, July Good Beer Month is coming up. Go to goodbrazil.com. You can learn a lot more about all the Good Brazil bars, including Waterfront Ale House and Jimmy's Number 43. Uh, this week, L. Smith Draft Night at the Bronx Ale House, uh, Thursday, June 14th. Taste beers from one of San Diego's finest, including the Anvil ESB. Have you guys had Ale Smith? Yes, yeah. I have. I yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. It's it's San Diego. Really it, good it, stuff. It, Very good. It's, it, is it really good beer or is it just that you can't get it in New York? No, it's really good. No, you can – well, once in a while you can get it. As I was saying, because of the surgence of all these breweries, everybody wants all these beers. They used to be able to get, okay, I want three cakes. Well, we can only give you one cake. So Ale Smith is one of those. Cakes. They yeah they're way beyond capacity as uh, what's the other San Diego uh, beer uh, Green Flash Green Flash Stone really I mean San Stone. Diego is such a hotbed but growing uh, tremendously Peter Peter Zane from Ailsmith he's another home brewer that went pro and uh, so if you haven't been up to, to like, Bronx Ale House if you want to find good beer in Bronx go to Bronx Ale House on Thursday night and then treat your dad to the best brunch hey who wrote this the best brunch out there uh, there's a special brunch on Sunday at Jimmy's Number Forty Three you can get a bottomless American pint. For $25 with your brunch entree, Jimmy's number 43. Dogfish Head Beer Night at Mission Dolores. Mission Dolores is one of my favorite Brooklyn bars. They've got a great setup. It's really interesting. Next Tuesday, June 19th, try some of off-centered ales such as Robert Johnson's Hellhound, On My Ale, Namaste, Festina Pesha, and more. All the cool new dogfish. Do you get a lot of dogfish, Sam? I, I do. Uh, I try to get as much as I can, and I like their specialty products. Uh, Sam Caligione tremendous brewer. He has great talent, and he pushes it to the edge mm-hmm. when he makes a lot of his uh, specialty products. And Sam, do you have any special events coming up in the next week or two at Waterfront Ale House? Uh, I have a Captain Lawrence event on the 22nd, 
Captain Lawrence taking over all the taps, 450 pints all night. Wow, sounds good. All right. And mid-July, we're going to do Jimmy's number 43 in L Street News. We're going to do the Carton versus Growler Olympics. We're going to see. Crafty Carton. We're going to check out the Crafty Carton, see how good it is, see if you can take it home. See if you can make it through a night on the streets of New York. We'll see. All right. <laughs> Nobody so, has to go home alone. <laughs> that's it. So I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Brew Seal. Go to GoodBrewSeal.com. Okay. Thanks to Tony, Jack. And Sam for uh, joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and guest coordinator Brett Thompson. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Woohoo! Yes. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Whiskey.